Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? I'm so excited for this interview with Killer Cross, the former Carrying Cross. I've spoken to him a few times before. We actually bonded over Catch's Catch Can Wrestling, and uh, that's what led me to being able to interview him a few times. And uh, I think you guys are really going to like it. We talk MLW, their, their show in Charlotte on February 26th, WWE, the narrative, a lot of stuff. And you know what? You're going to wonder, oh, man, how can I watch these shows? Well, you can watch them on any device, obviously. They're, they're going to be streaming, but you want to stay protected while you do that. Maybe you're on the road when you want to watch one of these shows. NordVPN.com slash Fightful has you covered, and you can access content from over 59 different countries by changing your virtual location with one click and the fastest VPN in the world. You can use it on your laptop, phone, smart TV, iPad, even your router, doesn't matter. And when you're using that unsecured Wi-Fi and you're traveling, nordvpn.com slash Fightful has you covered. For a breakdown of all their features, you can check out all their content guidelines on nordvpn.com slash Fightful. There's just a wealth of possibilities there. Avoid region block content. Save some money on some services and browse in security. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee if NordVPN.com slash Fightful is not for you and there's no risk. Go right now. You'll get a great deal plus an additional month off. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful. Here with a name you know. We've had him on the show several times. Haven't seen him in person for a while because the nature of the world and all that. But man, look, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell it's him looking at this guy. He looks 10 years younger right now. We got Killer Cross. How you doing, man? Very good. How's everything going with you? It's going really good, man. The, the new look. I know you're doing some movie stuff. You're, you're working MLW. They got a big Charlotte date on uh, February 26th. Got a lot, of, a lot of wheels in motion right now. Yeah, very excited. I you know, when you're in the machine, you have absolutely no idea what exactly is going on outside of it. You know, that's a, a reoccurring statement. And I, as I had said before, I was a little bit relieved, all things considered, when I got the call. But at the same time, I was, you know, mildly nervous. I, I don't have, I didn't have a good grasp on, you know, the economy of things and what's out there and what's available. And sure enough, I mean, my, my inbox just exploded with different works and projects and all different types of television stuff coming up and video games and everything. So this has been pretty awesome. You ask the universe for abundance and it's wonderful when you get it, but it's a little overwhelming at the same time when there's so much of it, it's hard to retain. So you mentioned video games right off the top. I want to, I want to go into that because I don't know if I've heard about that necessarily yet. I might be a little behind. Please explain to me video game opportunities. Uh, so there's some stuff that I was contacted about that's going to drop in the uh, immediate future, um, like very, very soon. Um, but aside from that video game, the news just dropped that I'm in the new WWE game, oh. uh, which, you know, I, which is hilarious. Which, very cool. I mean, let's be real. Every single person that has left WWE that I asked about 2K22, they're like, keep me in the game. 
They're like, yeah. please keep me in the game for that paycheck. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And um, I mean, I was scanned for it, so I knew I was going to be in it, but also at the same time, you don't know what the final product is going to look like versus, you know, how it was drawn up and, and at what level you participated in when it was being developed. So it was nice to see yeah. Rand yesterday that, uh, that, that popped up on the internet. So you didn't know that you were going to still be in it or did no they- idea. Yeah. I got scanned for it, you yeah. know, uh, many, many months ago with a lot of other people. And then I just didn't hear anything about it. And, um, I had no idea whether they were going to, you know, I was going to be utilizing the game or not. I'm happy I am. That's cool. People get to play as carrying cross, and um, that'll be cool. To me, if I'm WWE, there's I, I would keep everybody that I had licensed for the game in there because why not? And for you, there are going to be kids that maybe didn't catch your, your run on Raw, and they're going to be like, who is that? And they're going to use your character, and they're going to become familiar with you, and they'll follow your career. I mean – there's a whole lot i mean even video games there's a whole lot of people that don't even watch wrestling that play wrestling video games just because they like them so i think you could you could be in a lot worse position than than that right there and you're going to get paid for it too so that's awesome it's always so unusual too to me how there was always such a massive difference in the amount of people who watch nxt versus who watch mondays and fridays mm-hmm. um, i've never really understood the residual demographic that tunes in for that versus what's missing on nxt i never ever understood that Uh, it's over my head those logistics and optics and stuff like that but um yeah a lot of people are going to get to see that and everyone who saw me in nxt will will have that opportunity to be able to play with that character i mentioned mlw in charlotte on february 26th you popped up on mlw programming i know you were a guy that they wanted to have involved very very badly uh Court Bauer has not made that a secret whatsoever. Please explain to me the approach there. I know you had done some stuff uh, with MLW prior to heading to WWE, but how early on did you get the call from them and say, yeah, I'll do some stuff with MLW? Uh, pretty early on. And I mean, I've, I've always kept good relations for the most part with everyone that I've worked with. Um, and uh, I've always been the same guy since the very beginning. I've never changed. And that's always the highest compliment I've ever gotten from anyone who's known me over the, you know, the, the tenure of my career. Uh, I've always kept a respectful and appropriate rapport with everyone that I've worked with. And um, it was cool to see how many of them circled back to me once I became available to be contacted for work. He was one of the first people. And I had an excellent time at MLW. I liked what was going on there when I was there initially. And I was very open and public about that. And I think the, at least from my personal experience, the ability to creatively collaborate together with the team to put something unique and interesting on television um, is so important, especially now, you know, people are now more than ever are looking for an alternative um, to overly commercialized stuff. And I think MLW offers that um, tenfold, especially with the uh, revisiting Lucha Underground aspects and stuff like that. People always wanted to see a season five, and perhaps this isn't exactly Lucha Underground, but this is the next best thing, in my opinion. It's the spirit. It channels the spirit of it. I mean, when you got Dario Cueto there and, and all that stuff, too, I think it's really cool. I mean, we even saw uh, the efforts to bring, like, Matanza back in, like, under, under that gimmick and all that stuff. I thought that was very, very cool. I love what MLW does from a from a production standpoint as well. It's such a slick product. But it's not so slick that it eliminates the possibility of spontaneity. That's a thing that, that I, I learned from Eric Bischoff. He said that sometimes shows are so slick that you don't believe that anything could happen at any moment. And I think that's one of those things that MLW does really well, even for like a taped show. You believe anybody might pop up like you did in that vignette. Like That's not something that I'm going to learn about via people who were there at that show and got the spoilers sent in. I found out that you were a part of MLW because I watched the show and saw how that unfolded. Um, how far ahead did you know this was this was it? This is going to be like my first televised thing that I do outside of WWE. Uh, I'd say about a few weeks, and we had discussed the idea of how we'd like to introduce me back into the programming. And I thought uh, I, I definitely want to expand beyond what I did before, what I did in WWE. I'd like to create and add new layers. I have new ideas and concepts that some of them I've been sitting on for one or two years because they just weren't appropriate for, you know, 
the platform that we were on just previously, they would work perfectly for now. And um, yeah, I'd known, I'd known a couple of weeks. And so far, I like the, the idea and introduction of the whole entire thing. And one thing I thought that is really cool about MLW is to me, as I watch their show, it still feels like it could be an experience when you're watching it, as opposed to something that really feels like it's on a track that you're not going to be getting off. As you said, there's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different creative things that could be introduced. Um, they, they don't necessarily feel like they're married to something where you know exactly how everything's going to play out. And that's, I think, an aspect that's very difficult to preserve with television in general, because, you know, there's just a lot of things that have to be one way. And MLW doesn't feel that way to me. I love the roster that you got set up there. And we've seen you wrestle Jacob Batu of late. Like, that's that's a big name, obviously. Hammerstone, you got Richard Holiday that has emerged an awful lot of late. Mads Kruger. Uh, there's just so, Alex Kane is another one I've loved. But then on the other side of things, like, I want to watch you work against Savio Vega. I, I want to watch you wrestle a guy like that. I want to see what you can do against, like, people like Myron Reed. Like, there's so many. It's It's a lot of those people were still there before you headed to WWE, but they have grown so much that I'm like, Oh, I want to see them wrestle killer cross. Is there anybody specifically that you looked at and you go, man, that's somebody I got to do something with an MLW. I definitely think on a bigger stage working with uh, Davey Richards. Um, I I recently just competed with uh, will be something awesome. That'll be something to behold. I think, a lot of people have not seen me in the element of gimmick style matches like cage matches, hardcore matches, stuff like that. Some of my long-term fans have, but I think doing stuff like that in an MLW environment with these types of characters and these types of people are going to offer something really unique uh, and something new and fresh. Uh, Obviously working Hammerstone is going to be something that more than likely will be inevitable. That's going to be amazing. Um, It's going to be hard hitting. And then the odd matchups too, like Richard Holiday. I mean, that's people, you know, people wouldn't know what exactly that looks like. Um, I'm also interested in revisiting some of the uh, older aspects of my style, getting a little bit more back to sport-based stuff, a little bit more of a pancreas hybrid. And I think uh, just making people feel like they're going to be able to see fresh things with me versus anybody there is going to be on the top of my list of things to do. Reminder, guys, February 26th. In Charlotte, MLW comes to town. They've got dates all across the country over the next few months. So I've not spoken to you on camera since you left WWE. And, uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of people had a lot of feelings about that. And I've been excited, nervous to talk to you about that because um, it sucked on Raw. Uh, Kevin, it was it was not <laughs> – it wasn't good. And every I don't want to say everybody knew it. Because there were a lot of those let it play out people. Dare I say that you are the reason a lot of people don't say let it play out anymore. Because as they saw, it played out. And it certainly didn't work out for you. It certainly didn't work out for Keith Lee. And it definitely didn't work out for Jeff Hardy. So you're brought up and um, I have access to the rundowns for WWE. And when I saw a segment listed that gave away that Jeff Hardy won, I thought I was being fucked with. I <laughs> you too? Yes. I thought somebody was, was like trolling me. Or I thought I was being tested to see if I would actually run this. I couldn't believe it. What did you believe? Because I know that you're a very optimistic guy. Like you, <laughs> you are a very optimistic, forward-thinking guy in that sense. Not like... Clouds are looming, end of the world. What did you think? Well, I tried to put my best foot forward with it. I really didn't know what exactly was going on until I got there that day. It was just so many different things going on that day. It was, it's very difficult to summarize. And um, it's, it's strange to talk about it because for me, I personally, I have been past it for a long time. But like you said, man, you and I haven't talked uh, like in forever. And this is still something that people are really pissed off about. Because let, let, let me it, specify. This is me conjuring this up. This isn't carrying or killer cross saying, Oh, I'm still complaining about this. I'm curious. Like I gotta know all this stuff. And understandable. There's a lot. And there's look, I've been meeting with fans in person for the last three weeks and getting to getting the feedback personally from people. 
people, not on social media, but human beings that are rational and, you know, saying in front of you, discussing how you made them feel over the last two years. I've been getting hit with this by thousands of people nonstop. And I, the way I try to summarize it is like, you know, I was, you know, I, I wanted to be on main roster. I always want to be on main roster. It's not that I wanted to skip NXT. I wanted the, the whole total experience and everything was wonderful. Um, so when I was told that we were going up, you know, you would automatically want to feel like that's a good thing. And so when we went up, uh, well, when I went up uh, and I had gotten the news um, that I had to go under, I did think that that was unusual. And I ran that through a series of people that I trusted who were above me and they told me to just run with it. And so I felt like, look, um, the advice and the confidence I'm being given by the people who I'm asking it from, I mean, I'm going to, I've never had any reason to not trust that. Like I have a strong rapport with these people and they're ahead of me and they've seen everything. So they seem to be, they seem to be all right with this. I'm going to choose to be all right with this, although this feels completely fucked up. Um, so it was also my birthday. And yeah. on that day, I was offered a new contract. I was offered a main roster contract. So I just tried to focus on the things that I thought could be potentially positive. There's a new contract, I'm essentially being re-signed. Yes. They, you know. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. No, and uh, it's on my birthday and... <laughs> You know, it's, and then you know, it's, it's Jeff, who I knew I was going to have fun with, and I was hoping that there was going to be some sort of long-term booking with him. If, if you didn't want to work with Jeff Hardy in your WWE, I would have thought you were insane. And so there was just, I tried to focus on that type of stuff. And then honestly, though, internally, I knew this was not good. I sure. knew it wasn't. I knew, like, there's just, there is a protocol that you introduce new people by. It's been invented by WWE. Winning. Well, that, that too. It just, the, the whole premise of the character was, was very character based and just, there were, it just felt like an amputated version, as I've said previously before, of what we were doing, everything felt off and uh, it, it, there was just so much, you know what I mean? That's, that's the easiest way I can kind of summarize it. But I knew, I mean, I knew, I knew that this was, this was going to have to be a situation that was going to be recovered and I couldn't do it on my own because I'm not in control of the show. But I did put my best foot forward and I gave it my all. I sincerely did. I didn't drag my feet ever. Uh, I was always in a good, always in good spirits, never difficult to work with and really never complained about it. But I did make it clear personally and professionally that I think we needed to improve the situation. So did Jeff like seem surprised or anything? I don't know how much of NXT Jeff watches. I know he was supposed to be the shaman for MSK. Uh, that was the original plan before he he left. But was he like surprised at all, or was he kind of maybe detached from that situation? I mean, he felt detached. Like Jeff's always been pleasant to deal with and work with, and you know, Jeff's just Jeff. He's just always cool, and um, we just went out there and treated it like any other day at work. Just go in and, and just do the job, and it was fun. And we had a laugh immediately when we got to Gorilla that our times were cut because we had no time to talk about it. Like we had, we were scheduled for like eight to twelve, I think, and then it got cut to like a minute and thirty. 
between entrances. So the next time I saw him uh, was like when he was in the ring. So I had to just, I was, had to kind of call to him what I was going to do to him to get us out on time. And that was the thing there. You, you do not go over your times. Yes. And I never did. I was always on the times that they gave me, always. Um, so I made sure that we got us out on time so it didn't disrupt the rest of the show. So um, I think we were just relieved that we were able to do that at that point. And um, yeah, that was just so strange. So then you, you lose the match. I know you see the reaction online. Like there's no way yeah. to ignore it. Yeah. And it is a lot of let it play out, let it play out, or this is the worst thing. Uh, as it turns out, let it play out was not a good way to think about this. Um, you assumed that something long-term would happen. It did. You beat Jeff Hardy a couple times. But also, in the interim, you won and then lost to Keith Lee, who experienced a lot of the same things that you did and now is experiencing a lot of the same things you are as he was released. You both came from the same place in NXT. Was there any discussion there like, what are they doing with us both? Because after the 50-50 booking has, has been notorious for WWE, doesn't help anybody. So, <laughs> yeah, there were, there were many discussions amongst all of us. And this is the way I will kind of preface this. There, there are conversations that people have had with me in confidence that have been around for a long time. Um, and uh, they weren't necessarily or directly involved with what was going on, but they were watching and they've seen a lot of shit over the years. Of course. And I think that they, I think that they all gave me good advice. And I think the advice they gave me came from a genuine place. I still keep in contact with those people. Um, I won't drop their names because it's just the nature of what we do. There's just certain conversations and certain names that shouldn't be repeated. Um, Harvey Whippleman. I, <laughs> oh man <laughs> busted so but yeah i mean they everyone knew what was going on everyone knew and uh it was just one of those things where what is anybody really going to be able to do about this we're not in control of the situation at all the only thing that i can do is show up and do my job and try to make the best of it and that's exactly what i did and i knew going in with with any company, I kind of know this. I'm not emotionally available to have my life unraveled by certain decisions that are being made that are out of my control. Um, and I have approached it like this because I've had friends that have been in the business for a really long time. And I've seen them coming out of a company, not specifically this one, but a company. And I've watched them spiral out of control. And it's the worst thing that like you could possibly see when someone puts so much everything and then some into something and then it's taken away from them for decisions that have absolutely nothing to do with them or by proximity to somebody else. I made a promise to myself as a grown man, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to become one of those people. And just all of the decisions that were made and the whole run on main roster, I've never really attributed that as a reflection to who I am as a human being or a person. It's just unfortunate that we had put so much time into a really cool aspect of sports entertainment or pro wrestling and then we just really the fans were the ones that more more than anything kind of got ripped off i mean there's just so much that we didn't pay off there was so much more to do yeah there was so, many matches. There was so much it seemed know? it seemed like they based on what i remember it seems like they almost booked things the exact reverse of how i would have by the end, you were beating Jackson Riker in a minute and a half john morrison in a couple minutes you beat humberto and ricochet and that was right after you lost the NXT title. Because before, like after you lost the NXT title, you didn't lose. But before that, you were, you were losing to Keith Lee and Jeff Hardy as you all are actively promoting TakeOver 36. That seemed questionable to me. Like, if anything, I would have thought that maybe the loss to Joe would have spiraled you down or maybe inspired you more. It's such a natural, easy story to tell there, one or the other. A loss can make you feel like you got to rejuvenate or it can just completely screw you up mentally. When you're taking those losses before TakeOver 36, was anybody raising concerns like in NXT? Like, did you hear of Triple H even being like, man, what the hell are you all doing? Uh, none of those, if those conversations did take place from the top, they, they never were, you know, discussed with me. But I mean, that was in the air for sure. I mean, I had so many people 
people that I didn't even know were, I don't know, I don't like saying it like this, but like it's maybe looking up to me or looking at my career as sort of a thing that they would want to pursue for themselves. I had people coming to me going, if they're going to do this to you, what are they going to do to me? Like this became a cautionary tale to a lot of people in the company and outside the company going like, we know you, like you're not a disruptive person. You're professional. Yeah. You, you do everything you're asked to do. And it's like, if this can happen to you, what, what am I doing here? And that was like, you know, I, I, I try to be positive. That's a hard thing for me to try to spin to people when I'm talking to them. I can't bullshit them. You know what I mean? I really didn't know what to say to them. I had no idea. And that's not the way you want your roster and your team to feel. You don't want them to feel like that. Um, it's I also happened, kind of felt- Sorry to interrupt. It's happened before with a guy that you know now, EC3, told me that when he saw The Fiend get beat by Goldberg, he looked at it and he said, I'm not pitching this free the narrative stuff here. He's like, I'm not doing it because if they like it, it'll end up like that at best. So like that's that's got to be discouraging for people you don't get into pro wrestling unless you're a creative person. You just don't. You create moves, matches, stories, characters, promos, all that stuff. As a creative person, that can't make you feel good. Definitely not. Um, the, the, the loss to Jeff, too, the way that was booked also, I kind of, a lot of people actually felt like it shot the main event in the head for, for TakeOver with Joe. You know what I mean? It was It was just a lot of things that unfortunately could have, been done differently and would have improved everything in general you know not to stay on the depressing road but tell me about the gear oh boy so i had introduced i had introduced the the lower garb of the gear at the time um because i had felt like the environment that we were in at the time almost felt like a little mini coliseum it felt like a like a little fight dome um and i wanted to create a very ground-based style in the ring a little bit of all Japan type stuff with some power moves, Western style. And um, it just felt like a very gladiatoria type environment. Yeah. So I had introduced the garb for Finn. And then I know Finn is such a creative person. I figured he was going to do something creative for, for takeover. I wanted to kind of take advantage of that opportunity. Plus it's a new action figure and it's also a new layer. Like I'm always trying to think of what people are watching. And I, I think to myself, they're going to watch, 16 to 18 people come out here on a show all wearing trunks or all wearing pants or all wearing a singlet. What would I be able to wear to kind of switch up the visual? And so I introduced that. But then when we went up to Raw, you know, it got very, very, uh, I don't know, uh, like uh, I'm wrestling for gasoline, you know, (laughs) with the suspenders and the helmet and and all that. And, and And I've gone on record to say I didn't mind wearing it personally, but I thought, you know, it looked cheap, it looked bizarre, and there was no explanation for anyone as to why the character is suddenly wearing that now. And continuity, as, as we've talked about before, is extremely important in storytelling. So if you have giant gaps, you're introducing new things and other things are disappearing, people are removed from what they're watching. And it's the absolute worst thing you could ever want to happen when you're telling a story, is when people stop listening to the story and they're, they're looking at the typos. <laughs> they're looking at things that are, you know, what's wrong with the page. So, And that's, some, that's a common reflection I've had from WWE Talent. They'll say, if, if you hear a good faith claim or complaint online, guarantee we've complained about it. Or we've said, hey, why not this? Why not do this? Uh, I do think it would have been cool if they had you dressed like that on Shotzi's tank driving down to the ring, though. Go full Mad Max with it. Like, go do, do the full thing. But something I, I was that gave me hope that, that I found promising were the vignettes that aired towards the end of your run. Like very Sean O'Hare-esque, devil's advocate. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And that's not something I had ever pictured you doing. And then as soon as I saw it, I said, oh my God, he would kill that. He, that that's how they should have brought him in if they were going to switch him up. I thought it was really great. How did that come about, and what do you remember about maybe your hopes or feelings about about that coming? Because, man, I was I was pumped for that. Well, the general consensus was that everyone wanted to get me away from what I was doing. <laughs> everyone was. So everyone that I was working with was attempting to redirect this course to prevent me from you know being on the list of people who were released because. It is a well-known fact that if you're not a return as an investment, then you're not gonna you're not gonna continue to have a job there. 
And that's the business. And sometimes in Bray Wyatt's case, if you are, you still might not be. Yeah. Which is also still completely mind blowing to me, but um, yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were all collectively attempting to redirect this into something respectable and something that made sense and had continuity to the things we were doing at NXT. And I, this is just my opinion, but I think that there's a massive oversight um, on certain levels as to whether or not what you're doing in NXT carries over successfully to main roster, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. There are some people that believe that it makes no difference and it doesn't and that there's more people seeing you for the first time. But quite honestly, sports entertainment and pro wrestling have a fan-based community where they all talk to each other, whether it's in the building, online, or at work. And so if you have 600,000 to 850,000 people that watch you every Tuesday, and then you move up to your Monday or Friday show, and now there's anywhere between 1.2 to let's say 3.5 million people who have never seen you before, the original group of people, you know what I mean, watching Tuesdays can inform their friends. And I mean, it, it would translate perfectly fine. There's no reason to completely repackage someone because it's the first time they've seen them. Like you're almost doing it backwards. You know, if, if, if NXT is going to be observed as a developmental show, then that's where you experiment and you find this thing. You don't <laughs> abandon something that we knew was working and then you drive it off the cliff on main roster. I mean, it's, it's strange. It almost feels like you're, you've just burned through all this money you've spent on creating this crazy presentation and all these guys that have exchanged equity with you, putting you over to just say that that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's, it seems a little strange. It seems to undermine the purpose of this other property in which you have that, I mean, you put head to head with the competition at one point. So obviously you thought something of it. Uh, Do you remember who came to you with this sort of devil's advocate type of thing? Was it supposed to continue that way? Like, like almost a Sean O'Hare-esque thing? Or or was that just maybe an interesting coincidence? Well, I was speaking with a series of writers that all were familiar with my work even prior to WWE. They went and they did their research and stuff like that. And for the record, I think the writers get a bad rap. Perhaps writers have pitched bad things occasionally, but wrestlers sometimes have bad matches and the writers don't go online and bury them. So, I mean, just putting that out there, I think it goes both ways. But anyways, the rapport that I had with the writers I was working with, honestly, I thought was wonderful. They were genuinely attempting to help me and they had given me this idea of going in sort of this intellectual psychopath killer guy, which was something that we had already touched base on with NXT and prior to working with WWE. And these things did work. And they said they wanted to kind of bring that to life and begin to angle away from this outfit um, because it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. So they had given me the rundown, which felt very Hannibal Lecter-esque, you know what I mean? And um, I had thrown it in the devil's advocate line because I'm a wrestling fan. I've, yeah. I've always watched wrestling. I've never let that fan in me die. If you do, you're probably not going to resonate with the people watching. So I put that in there and O'Hare was a, was a very big inspiration of mine growing up. And that was just something I had thrown in. And um, I had felt like when I was reading it off of the page that this is something that O'Hare maybe would have, you know, set yes. or, or gone down that road. So I was glad it resonated with some people. And then it kind of took on a life of its own. Some people did believe that they were trying to redo that. And, um, but I was fine with it either way. It was, it was fun doing that. I was really enjoying it. And then that got shot in the head. So I think it's a money character too. I remember when I interviewed Muhammad Hassan, it was his first interview in like a decade. And I talked to him about that character and he, I'll never forget. He said, we despise the traits in others that we see in ourselves. And I think a wrestler that highlights that, and does it in this like sly way, like I'm I'm being respectful to you, but I'm not really like I'm letting you know how much how terrible you are as a human being. Uh, I think, oh my God, there's there's money there because everybody's got those insecurities and they do despise traits in other people, no matter what. So I was I was very hopeful for that, and uh, I know a lot of people were hopeful for whatever NXT 2.0 was, but there were some people that maybe weren't, and there is. A pretty common conspiracy theory on the internet that this is undoing all of what Triple H created. Obviously, we wish him the best of health because that that's unfortunate what he went through. But he's not been back there since then, and they have dismantled an awful lot of that. I had Scotty Too Hotty telling me 
yeah, I got the hell out of there because I saw the writing on the wall. I knew the drill. He's like, I knew I was the next to be fired, so I'd rather be the guy that quit than, than that. We've seen so much stuff change. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think there's like some some situation where they're specifically dismantling this? I mean, they, they let go of a lot of Stephanie's team in the office too. I have always been a guy that's lived in my own bubble among wrestling because I see the clicky stuff going on and I see, you know, you hear people gossiping, you hear people talking shit and not everybody always gets along. And a lot of people actually do get along. Um, Some people need to vent or in the car and whatever. Um, I've always tried to shield myself from that type of stuff because I've always wanted to protect this. I wanted this to still continue to be fun for me. I know some guys that just become consumed with how other people are being booked and how much this person is being paid. And I've always just kind of been like, I'm just waiting for the time that I'm going to be given allotted to go out there and perform and try to knock that out. And I don't want my energy to be stolen by this type of stuff. So even some of the stuff you just told me, I actually wasn't even the tail end of that stuff. I wasn't even aware of, but I mean, how can you say it doesn't feel that way? It does. And I, I tried to deny it for a little while. I was like business. And then, it's like Cross is gone. Keith Lee is gone. Like you're having people with the NXT title around their waist, eating L's on TV. You're changing the production. And Hey, you know what? I like that they brought the lights up in NXT and you can see the crowd and, and all that stuff. I like that. Um, but it really seems like a concentrated effort to erase a lot of that. And NXT became WWE's competition for a long time under that banner. Like they were their own competition. For a long time, it just seems it's it's unusual. It seems like too much of to be a coincidence. It does feel really unusual, and I I don't know. There was just even thinking back, there's just like there's there's just so many things that just really weren't adding up and making sense. From like I don't know, just right before takeover to all the way on the way out, and still have a ton of friends that are there and. There's just so many question marks all over everything. I don't know if one day we're ever, if it's ever going to come out, you know, they're just going to do like some sort of, you know, program, a two hour program and just find a way to monetize all of the weirdness. But there's so much, man. And, you know, like I even think too, everything during like the pandemic when we were filming, like at the beginning of it, all of that, there's so much backstage footage. And like, I wish people could see how close we all got and banded together during such uncertain times, all that stuff was filmed. Like there's going to be programs about that one day for sure. I mean, there could be, there yeah. could be like of, of how we had to adapt during those times and how we were living and like what people were going through emotionally and how they were feeling. Maybe it's too early to do a program on that right now, but like, I do wonder if they're ever just going to tell everybody what the fuck actually happened because so many of us would actually really like to know. I mean, me being one of them, like what the fuck happened? Yeah. Let's get to some positive aspects of this. Was there anybody that seemed to help you a lot there or that, that, that gave you helpful advice along the way once you came up to Raw? Uh, Drew McIntyre, Bill Goldberg, and uh, Paul Heyman, actually. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like Drew had – he was sort of like – I don't know if advocating is really the right word, but like he seemed to be – somewhat supportive of us on social media before we had actually gotten to know him in terms of like Scarlett and I rising up through the ranks and chasing and stuff. He was expressing interest in working with us, which is cool because he absolutely didn't have to do that. He's at the top of the food chain at the time he was working with Brock and Goldberg. And it's like, you know, he was the guy who was the poster child during probably the most difficult time in WWE history when he, when he had the belt and we didn't have anybody. A lot of people forget about that, but he was throwing some attention towards us. So I, you know, had reached out to him and personally thanked him. And um, I just, we just kind of kept up a friendly rapport from there. And um, occasionally I would ask him for his input on stuff and he would give it to me and was always honest. And um, I was just getting to know Goldberg uh, on my way out. He had pulled me aside and talked to me for a little bit, which, you know, gave me some very good advice. And uh, same with, uh, same with Paul. they, those are, I mean, everyone was, was pretty cool in general, to be honest with you, but those are the first three people that immediately jumped out to me since you asked. Lots of good times in NXT, man. One of my favorite was uh, you and Santos Escobar beating the living shit out of each other all over the place. That was a blast. I think for a lot of people that, like, it may have changed the perception of just one of Triple H's guys that he likes to... Oh, this guy's fun. This guy is going to do some cool stuff. And 
that was a blast. Please, please tell me what the process of that was. Because, I mean, that's something, I don't know how meticulous you go into planning something like that, but, man, that was, to me, that was such a fun match to watch. I was very excited for that day, man, because, you know, with that, it, it breaks up the monotony of just the regular matches. You know, we're going no D2 now, and there's many people involved. Uh, that was a fun day. One of my favorite days in NXT, actually. And yeah, we worked all over the place. I wanted to throw the pickaxe through the window, but they were afraid I might hit him to the other side. So yeah. like, just you're like, can you throw the pickaxe through the door? And I was like, yes, I fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Fuck. Yeah, I can. Um, that was a blast, man. Uh, putting all of that together, really fun. And I felt like that was as we were going in that direction, because Legato Fantasma had so much heat at that time that began to turn me babyface, which for me was confusing because I thought they wanted me to be the Antichrist. So, but that was fun. And I'll tell you, working so many years as a babyface before WWE, I totally took advantage of being able to feel and hear the crowd be with you. And, you know, then the crowd gets removed. Then they get plugged back into the building for that match and to feel them with me for that match. That brought me to life again on like another level that was missing for a long time. It felt really good. And I, I kind of had um, free range to kind of be a baby face in that situation. You got beat up by three guys. Yes. So, you know, it did, it did muddy the water a little bit moving forward, um, whether cross was a baby face or heel, but we got them back on the track after that. I had to be a heel again, but that was so much fun to do that, um, to be able to play with the weapons and power bombing people into the boards. It was awesome. Well, it's one of my favorite uh, NXT moments of, of the pandemic era. I thought it was great. And it took us out of the normal setting that we see. And also, nobody got kidnapped in the parking lot, which is a first for NXT. That, that always seems to happen. But, um, man, there was, there was a specific name that was up on WWE's roster around the same time as you but barely got used. Got released around the same time as you. Davey Boy Smith Jr., that was a match that you had that I watched, and I went, oh, shit. At Bloodsport, I was like, damn, I didn't even know that he he, he had this skill set. And you guys were both up there. Uh, did you all, like, ever talk during that period? Or you all do you all remain in contact? Because to me, that was the match that really opened my eyes to the work that Killer Cross could do was at Bloodsport. And I was hopeful that I would get to see it in WWE. Thank you. And I, I, I still hear that now so many years later with how everything has changed so much. I'm always flattered to hear that. And um, so like I have a shoot background and not putting anybody on blast, but like some guys that don't speak that particular language in the ring have a hard time keeping up. And, you know, I'm not a person that necessarily goes into business for themselves in the ring. And so there's only so much of that sometimes that you can do with certain people because they have no idea what you're doing. So working with Davey, who is 100% legit, um, we just showed up and basically said, hey, um, did you used to watch UWFI? He's like, of course I did. I said, okay, so did I. I've been waiting to be in a realm like this for the longest time. Kakihara, Dr. Death, uh, Gary Albright, uh, as so many, the Takata, all of these guys. You talked about it. James Maritato was there. So was Norman Smiley. People, I could go on and on. People don't realize how bad of a motherfucker Nunzio is. Like, oh, he yeah. is a badass. He's legit. He grew up in a town right next to me in Nyack, I believe, or New City it was. He's going to get mad that I forgot that. But I actually <laughs> got to move to Firestone Grill next time I go to Rockland County. But long story short, um, I basically just said, hey, what would be kind of cool is to do a throwback match, 90s style, where it's striker versus grappler. Uh, I could be the striker. I'll work the legs, and whenever you want to take me down, just take my leg and take me down. Uh, I'll try to survive on the ground, and then when we got to go home, this is how we'll do it. And we didn't talk about anything. We just moved and flowed. And it was such a pleasure to work with him. Like if you if you work with someone who is a Greco-Roman wrestler or a catch wrestler or knows judo or jiu-jitsu, you don't have to say a word. And a lot of excellent pro wrestlers are like that too. A lot of people think everything is completely choreographed and not to kill the magic here, but I mean, there are people you can go out there with and say nothing. And if you listen to the audience, you know exactly what they want. If you're permitted to, if you're not yeah. being controlled by the gorilla and the referee, listen to the crowd and they will tell you everything that they want to see. And then you just get to, you get to paint on a blank canvas. It's beautiful. I've been doing this for two weeks now, just wrestling the way I want to wrestle. Oh my God, it's been amazing. But yeah. That's that's how I, I roped you into our first interview. I was like, listen, we won't talk about that impact bullshit. We'll talk about catch wrestling. And and you're like, all right, let, let, we'll do this. And that's 
that's just one of my favorite things when you learn how to catch wrestle usually on mats having turnbuckles and ropes it's it's a breeze like it's having all this extra stuff when you've learned how to work and transition in and out of holds and pins and submissions then you get toys to play with on top of that it makes it so much easier uh but i'm I'm excited to see more of that uh, out of you in the future as well as this narrative stuff which ec3 shameless self-promoter that guy that guy which you know as we film this i was supposed to do something with him yesterday but wrestling happened wrestling the wrestling world happened so he'll he'll yell at me but i'll be like listen man i plugged your stuff i'm here i'm talking to killer cross about it that got quite a bit of buzz yourself the former braun Strowman, adam share ec3 three guys that have had global exposure who have been to the top of nxt impact and wwe respectively on like the same poster and the same shot I'm very interested to see how this came together and, and maybe maybe your hopes for it. Well, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of that type of fight club, cinematic Lucha Underground atmosphere. And um, I began to quickly, like all of us, see the stuff that he was filming independently and kind of creating and publishing and putting up on the internet. And I thought this is going to be a great idea. And it's also going to be great for fans because as, as we had said before, not to be redundant, having alternatives um, is very good for pro wrestling, for sports entertainment, for all that stuff. When people get tired of watching one thing, rather than just completely turning it off and having a bad taste in the mouth, they can switch over to something else and still remain in the cycle of what they enjoy and love. So him offering that, which also, you know, it creates a place for people to repackage themselves. Yeah. You know, some, some people who feel like they've gotten a bad draw of the cards, they can go there and kind of creatively invent something new for their fan base or to acquire new fans. It serves a lot of purposes. Um, and I think my participation in this, uh, while not wanting to spoil it, will be, I would say, a new layer. Um, and it's going to be very violent, and it's going to be a new fresh coat of paint, so to speak. You could um, spoil it. EC3 would love that if I spoil oh, yeah. everything. He would love that. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> like there depending on what day it is if i message him he'll i'll get an answer or he'll say i'm not some dirt seat dirt sheet stooge you mark or something like that like it depends on what the day is uh with ec3 but i've loved the narrative stuff i think jc has a really good vision for a lot of the directing and i like those things that are sort of homebrewed you know what i mean like like that you can see that they they didn't go and over polish everything like i love it and then the narrative of the narrative is telling that person's story. I really, really enjoy it. They've got a series of live shows coming up as well, Orlando and Dallas, but I was very excited to see you a part of that because I've seen some of your creativity and I'm, I'm excited to see it unfold again. But uh, MLW Charlotte, as I had mentioned, MLW's got a bunch of dates coming up. I'm excited for those as well. Tell the people where they can find you on social media. We, we've talked quite a bit, but I want to save some for the next round. Real Killer Cross is the handle on all social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. I've also created a link tree. It has a variety of different ways you can contact me. Pro Wrestling Tees is attached to it. My website, killercross.com, and the YouTube channel. If any of you are not familiar with that, I've been chronologically ordering a, a series of videos on a playlist. My whole career is on there. Videos that I've uh, written and published uh, and put on the internet. That's all completely free for your entertainment. So you have a context of who I'm portraying when you see me. It's all there for you at Real Killer Cross. And uh, before we head out, I don't know how much you're allowed to say. You're doing some acting. Heard heard that. That's got to be exciting. That's got to be a welcome welcome. I don't want to say change, but uh, a sort of just something different. Pumped about it, man. Um, I mean, any. I, I just like. So I was contacted. Uh, this is what I can tell you. I believe we're going to be, I believe the intention is to film in New Mexico. Okay. Uh, it's going to be in the first and second quarter of this year. And uh, I guess I could, I don't think you mind. I it, The movie could be compared to something like Kill Bill meets Big Lebowski. It's a little bit Love of a it. dark comedy. It's going to be very violent. Um, I've got a second lead role in, role in the film. And they had asked me, they said, hey, like we don't want to inadvertently piss you off, but like, are you bald or can you grow hair? And I said, I've been shaving my head for this character presentation for years. I'm just playing on stereotypes. That people, shocked people. a lot of people. 
that shocked. Right. I think you, I think maybe you told Van Vliet about that. And yeah. and I saw this hair and I'm like, well, first off, I thought, did he get transplants done between the time that he got released and now? But then you were like, no, I've just been shaving my head. That shocked me. Yeah, I'm just very committed to character work, man. I thought, you know, uh, Killer Cross, the first incarnation of him, and Carrying Cross as well, the expansion of him, he wouldn't be interested whatsoever with participating in vanity and in social yeah. dynamics, hair and vanity and stuff like that. So I, I would shave it, and I was just very committed. But my family's super multicultural, man. Uh, no one is bald in my family. One side of my family is like Puerto Rican, Italian, Greek. And the other side is like Scandinavian, Croatian. Nobody's bald. Like we we'll all look like werewolves except for me. So people but love yeah, like, people love hair scoops, man. My friend Demon Diva got AJ Styles to explain his routine. Chris Van Vliet got Jungle Boy to admit that he used Costco brand shampoo, and everybody was like, "What?" Brian Pillman was upset at Griff Garrison when he found out he used Costco because Brian Pillman's got that he's got that mullet that he. You had to have a vision for that mullet. He had to plan that out. That doesn't happen on accident. He was mad when he found out that his partner used Kirkland. So <laughs> what are you using now? Uh, I'm using some sort of green tea tree conditioner that I leave in my hair. That's what, what I do. It's that good. It takes good care of it. I used that when I had the, the mane, which, uh, yes. man, people love the hair scoops. You, you love to see it. Killer Cross, man. I'm so happy to see you. You can see him. Uh, Charlotte, February 26th, MLW. There's lots of cool stuff going on in MLW. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you and see you again. Indeed. Until next time, guys, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.